Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why is it so hard to prove the existence of the large hominid known by many names around the world? Does dear old Bigfoot have paranormal powers? Do we have so few answers because we're asking the wrong questions? Hey there, and welcome to the 558th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben, and those big furry questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And uh, this evening, we are pleased to welcome two new guests on a subject for which it's not easy to find uh, literate guests. So, uh... You are welcome to call in. The numbers to call, it's uh, 401-766-1240 locally or from uh, anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, 800-449-1240. Tom Burnett is a real estate investor and trains lifeguards for a living. He lives on property owned by three generations of his family in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Old, of Old Fort, North Carolina. His land directly adjoins the half-million-acre Pisgah National Forest, there, Tom has done the bulk of his research and has had many harrowing encounters. The author of Nature's Secret Agents, published and published in 1999, he has numerous articles under his belt as well. He has made many media appearances, and his research is, vi- is viewable on YouTube. All right. Rob Riggs is a semi-retired veteran manager. Of, Tex- of, a Tex- of Texas Weekly Newspaper. Sorry about this, folks. I'm trying to balance a bunch of things here. Much of the land in the area of southeast Texas, where he grew up, is now part of the Big Thicket National Preserve. From an early age, Rob grew up hearing strange stories about things seen in the woods. He is the author of In the Big Thicket on the Trail of the Wild Band, published in 2001, and is co-author of Weird Texas, published in 2005, and he has authored numerous newspaper and magazine articles. He's been featured multiple times on radio and TV. Uh, a website, bigfootevidence.blogspot.com, and we'll have them uh, promote their other, if there are any other websites, uh, very soon. So Tom Burnett and Rob Riggs, welcome back, to, or welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you very much. All right, so let's uh, get started with some uh, background. So let's begin with Tom. Uh, you grew up in the uh, North Carolina wilderness. So when and where did you have your first Bigfoot experience, and what experiences have you had since then? Uh, Tommy, you uh, we having audio problems here? Tommy, not there. Uh, okay, now did you hear Ben's question? I heard the question, yeah, but this isn't Tom, this is Rob. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we do not have Tom. <laughs> you should see how chaotic it is when we have panels on this on the air here. Yes. Yeah, as we as we go through the evening, why don't we why don't we do it in alphabetical order and uh, whenever a question is asked, uh, Tom, why don't you answer first and then Rob? Why don't we or do that? Or maybe Tom is just not with us at all. Uh Tom, are you with us? Oh, I don't and know. And the resounding silence says no. So oh, Rob, looks like uh, we lost him. We'll try to get him back uh here as soon as we can. But go ahead, Ben. Why don't you ask me a question? All right, so Rob, same for you, except you grew up in southeast Texas. Uh, where did you right. first run into uh, this big this big guy, and uh, what has happened since? Okay, well, I, I grew up at an early age uh, uh, hearing stories, and in, in 1952, when I was when I was only seven years old, the county newspaper was running ran a, a, a series of articles on what was called a wild man that had been seen in the woods. And people described it as 
half ape, half man, somewhat gorilla looking, uh, and 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 naked. It was not dressed like a human being. And I was intrigued by those stories and wondered whether there was any substance to them. And then years later, I actually ended up working at that same newspaper as a, a reporter. And I thought it would be interesting to see if there had been any subsequent sightings of this wild man creature. Now, remember, this is in 1952. This is way before Bigfoot was ever even talked about. Uh, the term Bigfoot wasn't even invented in California until 1958. Uh, so uh, this is some 20 years later, 25 years later. I, I wrote a, a solicitation in the paper asking people if they had had any unusual wildlife sightings to contact me. And, well, immediately I started getting. I got several immediately. And the most... Uh, uh, the most, uh, I guess, convincing one was uh, from a couple who had gone out. Uh, now, there's there's another phenomenon, that, and we're going to bring this up as we go along, but there's another phenomenon in the big thicket called a ghost light. Hmm. Uh, uh, and uh, th this is, a, I don't, I don't want to get off track here, but the, the ghost light, we, Tom and I, have have concluded is somehow related to the Bigfoot sightings. Well, a lot, a lot of your, uh, a lot of your work seems to uh, parallel in some ways our own, which uh, sees connections between various phenomena that many people right. have not see, seen before. Uh, see, see, we actually think that the Bigfoot is is part of what what in the UK they call Earth mysteries. Okay. Uh, I, I I think I think the Bigfoot is is a, is part of a range of phenomena that occurs in specific areas. Due to the presence of of of, of uh, aberrant energy fields in, uh, that occur in those areas, and we're getting more. But that anyhow, I heard those stories. I started getting stories about uh, uh, apes. This lady said jumped on the hood of their pickup. They were out. Of, they were out on the place where the ghost light is. is uh, excuse me, where the ghost light has been seen to appear for a hundred years. And, and uh, they were out there, and the, uh, the Bigfoot jumped on the hood of their truck of their pickup, and was glaring at them menacingly through the windshield. And the old boy happened to have his his uh, shotgun with him, and so he 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 uh, unloaded both barrels at the at the at the beast. Whereupon all it did was run off howling into the woods and left a big scratch on the hood of their truck. Uh, I got several others, and it convinced me that this was an ongoing phenomenon. And I began to realize that not only was it an ongoing phenomenon, but it sounded very similar to Bigfoot reports from other parts of the country. Uh, subsequent to that time, I have been involved in uh, Bigfoot investigations to varying degrees with by myself, with other organizations. There's 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 a couple of good Bigfoot research organization in Texas, uh, and I've uh, worked with them, and I'm convinced beyond any doubt that there is a southern version of the uh, Bigfoot phenomenon in the south that ranges basically from East Texas all the way up uh, through the south into uh, Virginia. It may even come up into New England. I, I don't know. Well, I haven't researched that area, but uh, yeah, it's it's a it's 
it's almost you it's it's much more universal than than the people realize it, it does uh, seem and, to be um, pardon me no, i say it does seem to be uh we're going to try yes. to get uh, tom back on the call here ben okay okay we're going to uh see if we can uh, can do that sorry about that folks but we uh certainly continue our conversation we have so few shows on this subject because as we said there are so few competent experts and we have hopefully two of them with us tonight uh but in any case um, i wanted to ask you rob uh the uh i was well when when you're uh, near uh, how close have you been to one of these creatures uh rob Okay. What well, was well, was my what well, was my experience? Yes. Uh, sorry, we're, we're well, trying to get uh, uh, trying to get Tom the, back here. The, the closest encounter I, I I had was I was on a stakeout one night by myself, out in the out in the big thicket between Beaumont and my hometown of Sour Lake, and one of them showed up and howled at me from about fifty feet. Really? And okay. It was, it, yeah, it was the most traumatic experience I've ever had in the woods. Uh, and it, the the sound was so loud, it's like it, it shook the it made the air vibrate, and and you could feel the you could feel the vibrations in your chest cavity. It was just overpoweringly loud, uh, and prolonged, uh, and it had all kinds of weird undulations and uh, tonal changes. Uh, it was just uh, that convinced me beyond any doubt I was dealing with a real animal. Okay, now when you are is that as close as you've been? Well, as far as I know. Okay. You know, yeah. You know. <laughs> right. You can imagine they can actually yeah, go sneaking they're around. Very, very they're very stealthy. There, there's been other times when I suspected there was one around, but I didn't see it or hear it. Okay. How do you feel when one of these experiences is going on, or uh, is going on, or when you're in the presence of one of these things? You mildly frightened, terrified, calm, and peaceful, curious, threatened. What? Well, it's interesting uh, you ask. I did not feel threatened, and I did not feel terrified. Uh, I felt like I was being acknowledged. Okay. I wondered why I was being acknowledged, because this is in pitch dark. It could have walked right past me, and I would have never known it was there. So for some reason, it wanted me to know I was there. And when, it, when the thing was howling, I knew that it could take me out if it wanted to, but it didn't. Yeah. A lot of people. So, okay, so, so uh, well, that was one of the questions we were going to ask. Uh, do you feel as though uh, he, she, or it was attempting communication? Other yeah, than that, that was a, that was the feeling I got from it. Okay, that was the feeling I got from it. Yes. In a um, in a in a in a uh, I suppose I, uh, word intelligent in an intelligent sort of sentient way, or just simply guttural animal kind of territorial stuff well you see now we go into quite a bit uh, at length to this in our in our book that's why I asked. I think, <laughs> yeah i think the bigfoot has extraordinary sensory capabilities that uh that have basically that have, were basically once part of our nature but i believe they've atrophied because of our development of language and communicate and tools that we use to communicate yeah uh I think that the, the Bigfoot is almost what you would call telepathic. And I think it can. I think it picks up our our vibe, so to speak. It picks up our intentionality, uh, even the pictures that we have in our heads. That, that's been a lot of research done on animal telepathy in Europe, uh, and uh, the conclusion there is that 
uh, telepathy is the common form of communication among animals. And that human beings once had that ability, but we, we've kind of, we still have it, kind of a atavistic, uh, uh, so to speak. But uh, we don't use it, so it's atrophy. Uh, and Bigfoot has not only not lost it, I think it's developed it to a really high degree. And they're able to use that uh, to uh, camouflage themselves. I think they use that ability, I think that overlaps with their extraordinary camouflaging ability. And they use that not only to hide, but to stalk. That, that seems to match up with what many Native Americans say about them, at least ones I've spoken with, who believe that... Uh, they have abilities even as shapeshifters, that sort of thing. Yeah, well, you know, that's really interesting because one of the things, when, when I talk about how I think this is part of the Earth Mysteries, mm -hmm. Earth Mysteries include uh, weird lights, weird energy fields. Sometimes UFOs show up. Uh, and uh, the theory there is that when they, these, these uh, aberrant magnetic fields uh, intensify in a given area, they can create basically what are dimensional portals between this and maybe close, closely parallel worlds. So what the, the Native Americans say is that the Bigfoot lives in two worlds. So we think it's, there's a strong possibility. And, of course, physicists are talking about, uh, you know, parallel worlds and multiverse all the time now. It's, it's all theoretically possible. And, and we think these animals may actually be uh, that they actually may may be native to a closely parallel reality, and they're able to enter this one under the right conditions when those portals open. And we think they may actually be able to facilitate opening the portals. Well, it's funny you should bring that up because that that's precisely the basis on which we, which we carry on our work, which of course is not primarily with cryptozoology or Bigfoot, but. And I have to tell right. people, uh, we're, it's not that we invite guests on the show who agree with our theories. It's that more and more people are right. beginning to accept these these theories. Well, as yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're dealing with way more than just an un, uh, undiscovered animal, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, because, like you said, how could it how could it have been here all this time and yet it remains so elusive? And why is it so elusive? Well, that, that's I, I think a, that, those are real good questions. That's another question we were going to. Uh, try and ask you tonight was uh, we uh, and you brought up New England and, and the Northeast uh, which is a very of course heavily populated area and still uh, there are Bigfoot sightings in all these states we're working on a case now in central Connecticut which yeah. started with ghosts quote unquote and ended up with UFOs and three different Bigfoot sightings and in, in within 100 miles of New York City so uh, why well, are they exactly, able to... Ex yeah. Exactly, and most of the sightings I'm talking about are within an hour and a half drive of downtown Houston. Sure. Uh, yeah, of course, it's, it's still pretty heavily uh, wooded in, in East Texas. There's still quite a bit of wilderness uh, quality to it. But the thing is, if you look at these these big, these areas where these Bigfoot occur, and, and John Keel was one of the first to point this out. Oh, yes. If you remember Mr. Keel. Yes. He, Never he, knew he him, talk, unfortunately. He talk, yeah, he talked about window areas where these weird energies would magnify for unknown reasons, and there would be a series of phenomena. They, they would start off with lights, like star-like lights moving in the sky. Uh, then you would see fireballs that looked like the, as big as the moon. Then you would see 
what are more typically called the ghost lights, which are about basketball size, and they're closer to the ground. Uh, then you might see a, a, a landed craft. Uh, then you would see the hairy monsters. Yeah. And when I wrote my first book, it basically was to say, hey, this is a window area. Mr. Keel is right. I've documented all the, the same uh, series of phenomena. And this has been done by a number of other researchers. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of the hunt for the skinwalker. Oh, very much so. We can't get near that case. <laughs> it's a long story. That, that's, that's basically the same. It's basically the same sequence of phenomena. Sure. So, I think I think we have to look into in, interdimensionality, uh, and what might be going on is you've got you've got several different in, uh, living entities, including the Bigfoot, that knows how to access these portals, and then you may have technologies from parallel worlds that know how to do it with technology, and therefore the, the spacecraft that there may be energetic life forms from other realities uh, because the behavior of these ghost lights defies logical explanation based on our thermodynamics. It, it, it doesn't add up. Yeah. There, there's something really weird about them. Well, what, what you describe, uh, I couldn't have put it any better compared with what you know I, I have seen since the 1970s, and Ben joined me in the... Uh, 2005 or so, and uh, what we've we've all seen together, and it I, this doesn't, I, you know, I can't sit down and explain the physics of it. Other people have tried, and we know them, right. but you know, I this is I can't think of any other explanation. Um, well, that, exactly, we're we're dealing with stuff that defies Newtonian physics. Yes, for sure, for sure, mm -hmm. and I think it's getting into I think it's getting into quantum. Uh, you know, the quantum physics says basically that. Uh, the material universe is 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 created by consciousness. You know, the, wit the yes. witness participate. Yeah, and so we may be dealing with uh, what I would call quantum uh, 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 macro quantum events here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we know that that we know that that happens on the microscopic level or the subatomic particle level, but it may happen on the macro level as well, and these may be examples of it. Well, that's a huge... I tend to agree with you, but that's a huge controversy. Uh, there's no yes. doubt that these bizarre occurrences and that the non-existence of sequential time and all this occurs on the subatomic level. Well, I think the thing is that it's harder for people to accept because we've been used to materialistic sciences for a very, very, very long time, at least 200 years or more, uh, ever since the Enlightenment in the late 18th century. Um, that was late 18th century, yes? Yes. Yeah, okay. well, well, mid to late. <laughs> effectively, whatever. It was in the 1700s at some point. And everyone, then the reactionary thing of that, which was spiritualism, if I bring this up to somebody, oh, quantum physics, like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. And then it's like, if you bring up something like Bigfoot, they're just like, oh, that's that's just a load of fecal matter. That's just not, that, right. that, yeah, that's right. just not, that's just not true. And it's just like, I think the problem is, is it's, it's bringing this idea to the floor with, with, we, there is actual evidence of this as well, but it's still not accepted for some reason. Maybe it's the labels we put on things, because if you say Bigfoot, there's automatically that red flag that's brought up in all of our minds that, like, well, that's kind of hard to believe, isn't it? But it's, it's, perhaps it's, it's labels and wording of things. I mean, in my, well, you know, in my field, it's all about terms. <laughs> terms mean everything. Well, I think, 
to me. Okay. I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't even like to use the term Bigfoot. Uh, uh, I didn't even want to name our book Bigfoot, but the publishers insisted on it. What I want to say is we have an unknown primate or unknown primate or ape-like animal. You know, we don't know what it is. And the big the Bigfoot has so many connotations to it that, you know, you have to deal with all that, fall out from all of that. But i tell you something interesting, talking about wormholes and so on. Uh, I have two confirmed sightings in the Big Thicket in areas, same areas where the Bigfoot turned up, of people seeing spider monkeys in the woods. Hmm. Really? Now, yes. Now, spider monkeys are not supposed to be in North America. They're in South America. Or, or they may be in, you know, Central America. But that is not a North American species. They, they can't survive the winters. But I, I, I got one from a direct eyewitness. The other one was reported in the newspaper back in the 60s, and they showed a picture of it. The people thought it was a squirrel and shot it during squirrel season. It turned out it was a spider monkey. What are they doing there? Could they be, you know, there's the out-of-place uh, animal phenomenon. Oh, yes. And they yeah, they speculate that there are these wormholes, temporary wormholes that they fall in through. That could be a case of it. I remember the, uh, uh, the, uh, in the 60s there was the outbreak of uh, kangaroo sightings in Wisconsin. Right, exactly. You know, and, and, and see, it's more than escaped pets, apparently. Right. Well, we normally don't. Uh, you know, like if you're in the woods, unless you know what's supposed to be in the woods, you might see something that's out of place and not even know it. Uh, for example, one time I was out in the woods in the big thicket, and I saw a bird, absolute certain uh, identification, that lives that it lives at five thousand feet above elevation in the Rocky Mountains. That bird should not have been in the big thicket. It was a thousand miles from where it should be. Well, we had a listener from Australia write in one time, because uh, you never know people. You know, you never know if they're they're telling the truth or not. But this seemed to be a, right. a credible elderly couple, uh, retired, lived uh -huh. uh, kind of outside, not in the outback, but you know, outside of town. They swore. That they were having sightings of dinosaurs walking by their kitchen with a sauropod dinosaur walking by their kitchen window. So uh, there you go, a time loop, a time loop as well as a wormhole. Maybe. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and uh, let me just yeah. before our break, when, when we're going to try to get Tom back, by the way, uh, okay. during the break, uh, I just wanted to back up a little bit and explain to anyone who doesn't know who John Keel was. Uh, John Keel was, I guess, kind of like Robin myself. Uh, Old-time newspaper journalist. I'm an old newspaper man. Right. I guess Rob, too. You, uh -huh. uh, we have a very similar resume. Uh, but I, I went on to a Metro Daily and then and then into magazines. But uh, Rob John Keel was a New York City journalist who uh, came down in the mid '60s to investigate the um, Mothman occurrences right. in the Ohio Valley. And he wrote the book uh, Mothman Prophecies, which was later made into a movie, which bears no resemblance to the book, I don't think. But anyway, it was, it's, it was <laughs> hardly very, any <laughs> very, very interesting concepts, nevertheless. So that's who John right. Keel was, uh, died a few years ago. Uh, unfortunately, we, Ben and I never got to know him, uh, which I regret deeply. But uh, he's uh, rather controversial, but nevertheless, in my estimation, a great journalist. So oh, he was, I think he was a seminal. Uh, his, his works were, very, were seminal in this area of investigation. And unfortunately, a lot of people get into Bigfoot research, and they don't have any idea about that background. No, absolutely you know, they not. Just, they just start off assuming it's an unknown animal, don't even look at it, any of that. Any of that data. That's why we don't have them on the show. 
So, uh, before our break, uh, Rob, I did want to ask you one question about. We I asked you about sort of emotional and or and the visceral reactions to the presence of uh-huh. uh, one of these creatures. What about the physical reactions? Do you feel? And I'm sure you know why I'm asking this. Uh, you have said that you've there have been lights seen uh, in the presence of these things. What about um, and physical? feelings or uh, electrical tingles on the skin that sort of thing uh yeah. hearing phenomena in the sense a lot of people have said when they they don't hear all, all the other sounds of nature kind of die away because that could be because of the presence of the creature but oh no yeah that that's what i call in my book the eerie silence right and and what what that is and i've experienced this a number of times uh you're out in the woods and like in the big thicket you're in the swamp and there's all kinds of frogs and and you know uh, insects and everything imaginable. That's that's uh, there's this this chorus at night, real loud. Uh, and you're out in the woods, and all of a sudden everything goes dead quiet. I mean, dead quiet. Uh, you, you can't hear a cricket. You can't hear anything. Uh, and that's an eerie feeling because it's it's there's something. It's not supposed to be that way. Uh, and I've experienced it, and interestingly enough, I have I have looked at the websites of all kinds of Bigfoot investigations and looked at reports, and many people have reported that 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 uh, dead silence, and never put it together that it might be some indicator phenomenon that that, that a Bigfoot is present. Yes. I do believe when when that goes on, and it does give you an eerie feeling. And and the the now you're talking about the uh, energetic sensations absolutely, and had all kinds of experiences with uh, uh, tingling, even even hearing uh, electronic type sounds, uh, things of that nature. Okay, well we're going to take our break at this point. We we will try to get Tom Burnett back as well. Uh, stick with us. It's Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley where there may or may not be big feet or whatever you call them, and we will be right back, so stay with us. Are you a parrot head? Are your friends parrot heads? Is your parrot a parrot head? Hi, everybody. This is Joe Callahan, and I'm inviting you into the Tiki Bar every Tuesday night from 6 to 7 right here on ON 1240, WON Socket Radio. It's a full hour of nothing but the best in Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reefer Band. Every Tuesday night, 6 to 7, it's the Tiki Bar right here on ON 1240, WON One Socket Radio. Come join us. Do you enjoy the freedom that being an American provides? If so, you, like us, should be grateful for the dedication and many sacrifices that our active military and veterans have made to keep our country safe and free. This is Eagle Scout candidate Christopher Lapine. This is Girl Scout Gold Award candidate Jennifer Lapine. With the sponsorship of the United Veterans Council of Woonsocket, we are working on the new construction of the Veterans Park on Davidson Avenue, and we need your help to make this project a reality. You can become a permanent part of this fitting tribute to our veterans by purchasing an engraved brick, a bench, or a flagpole, in honor or in memory of a loved one, or you can just let everyone know that you, your family, or business support the men and women who have given so much to support and defend us. To find out how you can donate or volunteer, please visit our website at www.uvcpark.com or pick up a brochure at WOON 
the Museum of Working Culture, or the main entrance of Woonsocket City Hall. Let us never forget our nation's veterans, because freedom isn't free. You can depend on us for public service, Owen Radio. Okay, and we're back, and we have both our guests with us at this point. Uh, Tom Burnett uh, is with us from North Carolina, and Rob Riggs from Texas, and we're talking about Bigfoot. And, of course, they are joint authors of the book Bigfoot from uh, Llewellyn, and uh, exploring the myth and discovering the truth. So let's uh, get over now to uh, Tom while we have him here. Tom, uh, you're from the uh, wilderness areas of Pisgah National Forest in North Carolina. What experiences have you had there with Bigfoot? Well, uh, I inherited roughly about uh, over 100 acres of land next to the National Forest, Pisgah National Forest, here in uh, North Carolina. And uh, and uh, uh, anyway, I was looking for a place to build a house about 25 years ago. I was way high up on the mountain, and I was in the old days, the way they divided property between the government and uh, citizens, they piled up rocks. And uh, I had found an old property boundary way high up on the ridge, and it had fallen down. And I was, I started uh, fixing the boundary, piling up rocks. I was making a lot of noise. And uh, in those days, I carried a gun with me everywhere I went, uh, and I had a small 25-caliber automatic pistol in my back pocket, and I was straightening the rocks. I heard running on two adjacent hills, one directly across from me, and behind me I heard running, and the running stopped, seemed to stop, the, uh, and stopped right behind a huge oak tree, and I looked up and I saw a head. It, the head looked like it was roughly about two feet wide. It appeared there was about six inches, anywhere from five to six inches between the eyes. The eyes were solid black, and it was just staring at me. And it started throwing rocks at me. It was trying to get me to move. It wasn't throwing rocks big enough to hurt me, but it was... It was like it was, you know, like scraping stuff off the ground, throwing it at me like it was trying to get me to move. Like, I think it actually thought I was trying to build some kind of structure right there, yeah. even though I was fixing a property boundary. Okay. And I looked, I looked in its eyes, and uh, I could tell that there was a tremendous amount of intelligence behind the eyes. It was like it just could look right through me. The eyes were solid black. Uh, and I just looked at it, and, you know, and I was sitting here going, God almighty, what in the hell is this? You know, and my parents and grandparents had warned me not to build a house in this area. Hmm. You know, why? Why? They knew a lot more than I did, but they wouldn't tell me. I heard some stories, you know, in the past when they'd go blackberry picking. They'd go blackberry picking up there, and sometimes they'd get run out of the woods by something big and hairy, and it stunk. You know, and they would tell the tales, and 
I had no idea that I was actually seeing one of these things. You know, it just blew my mind. And uh, and I wasn't one of these people that was out looking for a Bigfoot. I wasn't looking for nothing. You know, here I am. You know, I'd heard the stories about them and heard some from my grandparents. And here I am looking in the eyes of one of these things. And it was just, you know, it was like being in a, a damn... Uh, science fiction movie. It was weird. And um, so over the course of the next few months, I finally built a structure and uh, uh, a little further down the mountain, and they peeped in my windows at night. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it, it was scary. It was scary. I thought they were going to come in the house and get me. I really did. And, uh, and I bought, I looked I've been outdoorsman my whole life, and I looked for a gun to buy, so I settled on a fairly inexpensive 303. It was a British 303 rifle that had been used successfully during the Boers War in South Africa. It was called an assassin's rifle. It had tremendous knockdown power, and some nights I'd lay on my living room floor shaking scared to death, almost convulsing out of fear underneath this rifle. And uh, and if it come through the house, I was going to do my best to send it to see Jesus or the devil <laughs> or hell <laughs> or whatever, whatever it had came from. Yeah. And then... Well, well, Tom, uh, we, were, we were talking with Rob during the first half hour, and uh, we were asking about feelings of fear and, and the presence of, of these creatures, and, and uh, Rob was saying he did not feel fear, but, but you apparently did, so maybe your experiences differ somewhat. Well, at first, I did. I have a healthy respect for them. I started, I would. started, I started putting food out. And they bring me food out of the woods and leave it. They'll leave really? acorns. Uh, they, yeah, I do food exchanges with them, man. <laughs> They've even seen me cutting firewood, and they'll pile firewood up in my yard. I'm a, what you call a, an outdoorsman. I'm what you call an educated redneck. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an educated redneck. You know, I've been well, like my South Carolina in-laws. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm probably an educated inbred redneck. <laughs> <laughs> well, not not with them though, right? But uh, <laughs> oh well, hey, you, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. But uh, now, Tom, what? Uh, you, it sounds as though you've learned to uh, certainly live with them. And do you have sightings, or it's just these exchanges? Well, uh. Yet there are certain areas you can walk to in in the mountains around me, and you can actually see them. You can see them peeping behind rocks, and they're not going to just get out in front of you and run and and make a a show of themselves for you. But they are very. They can go through the woods and get on top of you immediately and you would have no control of it whatsoever. I mean, I'm I'm trained in Aikido, I'm a weapons expert, and uh, I, I know how to take care of myself, but these things can go through the woods like special forces. 
they can get on top of you, and they can. Yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. If you want to let you hear all these guys that yeah, they're gonna come out and kill one. Give me a break. You go. You gonna be on that dinner table if you want to go <laughs> kill one. Yeah. Well, now we were talking too about where these might come from, and Rob uh, tended to agree with us that we're, we're probably dealing with um, parallel worlds and more quantum physics. I mean, do you think that we're we're correct, or these are just really good at hide and seek? Well, I think from my experience, I think they have a a uh, very good mastery of physics. Physics is a science that deals primarily with, it's completely different than biology and chemistry. Physics is a science that deals with motion, sound, electricity, and they have a complete mastery over it, and they know how to utilize all these things in nature. That's why nobody can seem to get one or to capture one, and everybody has a hard time even getting a picture on film. I mean, me, I've been working with cameras now over almost about 30 years, and sometimes my cameras won't work right. Sometimes I get photographs of nothing but lights and haze, and Rob refers to these as ghost lights. Yeah. And we actually actually believe that in uh, some cases, they can transverse the physical world and the spirit world, and as they transverse back and forth, they sometimes bring other things with them. You know, it's it's like you didn't, you know, they say, who's afraid of the boogeyman? Deep down, I'm real scared of him because <laughs> I've seen him. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that that brings me to a question, and let, let's get uh, Rob back into the discussion. Too. Ben, jump in here whenever you want. Uh, I was going to ask, w- when you've had sightings, um, have other people ever been with you? Have you ever been together when you've had sightings? And no. uh, uh, Tom, why don't you why don't you go ahead and answer, and then Rob? Uh, we we hadn't actually. See, I'm working in North Carolina, and. Uh, uh, he's working in Texas. Actually, what got us together was uh, Rob had read my first book, which was Nature's Secret Agents. And uh, I, I was using game cans even back then, back when they were very, very, had just, in the early part of the 80s, I was using them where they, they weren't as high-tech as they are now, where you, you loaded batteries in them. We still do that, but now you get a SIM card. And sometimes you can take 6,000 pictures, sure. which is, um, the technology is unbelievable. And uh, these these creatures or whatever you want to refer to them, monstrous human beings, the Indians refer to them as human beings, and, but they're just different. I think they're like Neanderthals with a shamanic quality. Uh, they're kind of like a voodoo priest. If, if you want to go meet the devil, go right in the woods and try to get, get with a Bigfoot. <laughs> okay, well, Rob, you what say you? Uh, yeah, Rob, yeah. what about you? Have you ever um, had other people with you when you've had a sighting? Uh, I've, actually, I've never actually had a sighting. The closest encounter I had was with that uh, 
Oh, the, the one about 50 feet now, away that you said. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now since then, since then, I have had two corroborative uh, experiences relayed to me from uh, park rangers who work for the National Park Service. And they've, they've heard the howling sound out in the woods and have uh, distinctly enough to where they had said it was not from any animal known to live in North America. Uh, and these, uh, of course, since they work for the Park Service, I can't use their names, but uh, sure. I, I have I have two uh, I have two corroborative uh, incidences. Okay, um, how, how did you two get together? Well, I, like Tom said, I read his book, and what intrigued me about his book is he had pictures in the back that showed weird light forms. Yeah. And and I under and I, I understood that Tom lived only a few miles from the Brown Mountain Lights, which is one of the famous ghost light lo ghost light locations in North America. Oh yeah. I was talking about the ghost light locations. Some of the most famous are the Brown Mountain Lights in North Carolina, uh, the Garden Lights in Arkansas, the uh, the uh, Ozark Spook Light in Missouri. And then you have the uh, two ghost, famous ghost lights in Texas in Bragg and uh, uh, Martha and then in the Big Thicket. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I had seen, and, 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 you know, we're talking about Keel. He had talked about the correspondence between unusual light forms and energy and, and the appearance of the Bigfoot. And this all seemed to kind of check out. And so uh, t Tom had done some great work up there. Uh, got some real interesting uh, light photos, and he was the only one person I knew of other than me who had been able to do that. And I, I like Tom, I had been doing it for years, and I got two, I think, pretty pretty compelling photographs of what seemed to be unaca uh, unexplained light forms. One of them was directly on the ghost road. And uh, so that's what intrigued me about Tom. We got together, started comparing notes, uh, and we're we're both kind of educated rednecks, so we got along fine. <laughs> Great. Okay. Now, uh, here's a question for both of you too. Um, have you ever had other? And, and you'll know why we're asking this. Have you ever had other paranormal phenomena, seemingly unrelated phenomena, take place at the scene of a sighting in the general area, or at your homes, or other people's, at or around the time of an encounter, whether by you or somebody else? Uh, Tom. Why don't you... Yes, I have. Uh, uh, I was uh, the first UFO encounter I had on my property was uh, I was about to graduate from high school at the time I was living in McRae, Georgia, and uh, I was up here visiting the land with my girlfriend. We was camping out, and I saw a UFO come through the property. It was. Uh, it appeared to be following the lowest point between the mountains, which would have been the creek bed, and it was moving at a phenomenal rate of speed. I estimate it was moving about 300 miles an hour, hmm. and it was shaped. The funny thing about it, it was shaped like a like a bullet, except about as big as a, a caravan. It was shaped like a bullet, and I saw it. And I asked my girlfriend, did you see that? And she said, yes, I did. And I said, we got in our cars and left. <laughs> now, this is, I don't blame you. We, we were scared. We were scared. Now, I have uh, been approached by people who dress. 
Men Rob seem to think they're a special branch wing of the government. I've been approached by people who uh, want to ask me questions. I had one man, he identified himself as a, uh, and this set up a red flag for me. He said he was an MP with the Air Force. And I was thinking, well, what's an MP with the Air Force want to do talking to me? And uh, then he asked me, he said, I know you're a writer, and I know you write about Bigfoot. He said, he said I've got personnel who guard intercontinental ballistic missile silos, and he said they routinely see seven, eight-foot-tall beings that appear out of nowhere. He said, we try to photograph them. We have camera systems inside of our uh, missile silos. Okay. And we have men men who caught them, and he said, we confront them, and we can't get them to stop. He said, can you tell me what's going on? And I said, well, sir, I said, I'll try to help you. I said, sir, I'm not Albert Einstein. I said, I grew up on a farm. I can show you how to milk a cow. I can show you how to crop tobacco. I can, uh, I can show you how to take care of chickens. I said, I'm a farm boy. I said, but I'll still try to help you if you want me to. And so I answered his question. I said, I don't know if this will help you or not. But he said, uh, he said, well, he said, the problem I got what's going on. He said, when my soldiers come out of the missile silos, they have to go see a psychiatrist. That's how messed up they are. And I said, well, they're lucky. At least they got somebody to talk to. I said, I see this crazy, crazy stuff, and I ain't got nobody to talk well, to. Well, Tom, we're going to have to, um, we're just, we have a caller here, but it's on another subject. We can just hold on. We'll get back to our conversation in a minute, but there is an event we wanted to promote. And uh, we have uh, Willie on the line. Hello, Paul. Oh, hello, Willie. It's good to uh, good to talk to you. Uh, what's uh, what's going on? As if we didn't know. Why don't you tell, share the share with the folks what's going on this Saturday? As if you didn't know. Yes. Are you waiting Saturday. for somebody else to talk? Uh, yeah, yes, uh, Tom. If you could hold on, we'll um, we'll just uh, take this call, and it's not to do with our our show. It's it's to do with an event that we're going to be at this. Uh, this Saturday, so yeah, we have to squeeze a lot into an hour. So just stand by; we'll be right back with you. So Willie, uh, yeah, we we were asking our guest to just sort of hold on and uh, go ahead and uh, tell us about the event yeah. on Saturday. Okay. All right. Well, this Saturday, it's uh, the event is sponsored by uh, Spirit Chasers Paranormal of Hampton, New Hampshire, and it is called an Autumn Paranormal Event, and it's going to be at the uh, the Lane Memorial Library in Hampton, New Hampshire. And among our wonderful lineup of guests, we have Paul and Ben Eno. And we've heard uh, of them. You've heard of them? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. It's, anyway, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be a benefit for the uh, New Hampshire SBCA, where 100% of the uh, donations going to the care and feeding of the animals. And we're going to have a number of, of uh, really great uh, speakers. Including, your, of course, yourselves. And we're going to also have uh, Roxy Zwecker of uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, who's written about seven books on ghosts and hauntings of the uh, New Hampshire seacoast. And she will be telling tales of local hauntings. And we also have uh, Jeremy Dontremont, who is 
an author of more than a dozen books on lighthouses of okay. England and beyond. He's uh, head of the uh, Friends of Portsmouth Lighthouses and Extracts Paranormal Tours, and he's going to be talking about uh, haunted lighthouses of New England. And let's see, we also have Mary Lou Marion, who is a spiritual medium and specializes in aura readings. And Jaylene Fontaine, an interspecies communicator who uh, talks to your animals. And I just want to mention that Jaylene and Mary Lou will each be doing one uh, free reading by drawing for mm-hmm. uh, one, of the, one of our guests. Okay. And that is going to be this Saturday, November 1st, from noon to 4 p.m. at the Lane Memorial Library in Hampton, New Hampshire. And that is at 2 Academy Avenue. Okay. And and we certainly look forward to uh, talking to uh, you two and having you uh, entertain us for the afternoon. Well, very good. Well, we'll look forward to it as well, Willie. Uh, and again, I uh, hope everybody comes out and supports the New Hampshire SPCA. Uh, it's going to be a fun day. So, Willie, we'll see you there. Okay. We look forward to it. Okay. Very good. Uh, okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. All right. Uh, so do we? Uh, I guess we have. Uh, do we have uh, Tom and Rob still with us? Okay, I don't know. Uh, all right, I don't know. Anyway, we're we're speaking. Uh, Got to push the right buttons there, Ben. We're speaking about Bigfoot this evening, and we have two very uh, very intelligent guests who are um, authors of a book, a Bigfoot. Here, we're going to let them talk about it um, right now. If uh, we got so, Tom and Rob, are you with us? Still here. Oh, very good, this Tom. Tom, I'm here. Okay, good. I'm here. Okay. Tell us, if you would, about your book, uh, where people can get it, and um, what's cooking for you. Okay. Well, our books. Uh, now, Rob Rob has got basically other books out like I do. Uh, my only other book is called Nature's Secret Agents, and it's available on the Internet. You can just punch that in and you can find it and uh, our, our book that we worked on together of course is called Bigfoot Exploring the Myth and Finding Out the Truth and you can buy it through Llewellyn but you can buy it all over the internet you can physically buy it at Barnes and Nobles and uh, Amazon anywhere on the internet and it is available through Kindle and Nook and uh you know, and it's it's not that expensive. Uh, and actually, we've got one good photograph in there that it took me over 25 years to get. Wow. It took me 20. These creatures, they know the deal. When they see a camera, they know what's going on. And that's why none of the researchers ever seem to get anything done. I'm not going to call any names, but... These, these intelligent beings, they know what you're up to before you get out of your truck. Mm-hmm. Now, the Indians the Indians said they could read your mind, and I, I'm inclined to believe that just like a primitive man, just like a Neanderthal. He could look at your you. Your recording has reached the maximum length. To replay um, your message, okay. press 1. To delete and re-record your message, I don't know where that's three. coming from. For delivery options, press 4. To send it back, press 6. 
I don't know. Well, you know, I'll tell you. Ben, can we get rid of this? Whatever this is. How long? Something going on with these phones. Uh, it is strange, and I have to tell you, press one. we have to get rid of this. Please re-record your message. Um, press three. All right. Uh, we, what we're what we're going to have to? I don't know. Let's just, well, well, Rob, Rob called back on your cell phone and said, "You know what? Tom can finish this up." <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's really strange, yeah, Tom. We you wouldn't believe some of the things that happen. Uh, we were on CBS radio. Uh, well, I mean, it's with just a, technology in general. You can't you can't trust it. Well, no, but I've never heard anything like that. Anyway, it leads right into our next question. Uh, Tom, you referred to being approached by, I suppose, what wasn't necessarily a man in black, but you know, people who supposedly come along, they're supposed to be from the government, and they uh, question your, uh, your experiences or tell you to be quiet about them. Uh, but you said this one fellow said he was from the Air Force. Uh, MP, is right. not, MP is not supposed to deal with civilians, as you know. So um, well, I don't know. I think we're, we're probably going to have to... Uh, to leave it at that and uh, perhaps do another show and we just talk about that because uh, there are a lot of people are telling us that uh, strange people have approached them to uh, tell them to be quiet or stories such as your own, etc. So we're going to, um, we're just about out of time. I wanted to wish you very good luck with your work and uh, we're going to talk to you off the air because there are a few other questions we, <laughs> we weren't able to ask because of all the confusion. So um, uh, thank you so much for being with us and we'll be talking to you off the air. Okay. All right. Thank you, Tom. Oh, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Good show. Thanks. Okay. There we are, folks. Tom Burnett, uh, occasionally, and uh, Rob Riggs, authors of Bigfoot, Exploring the Myth and Discovering the Truth. Very good book and uh, very dis- very uh, difficult interview because of the technical problems. Anyway. Indeed. So this coming Saturday, November 1st, my dad and I will be featured uh, as speakers at the Autumn Paranormal event to benefit the uh, New Hampshire SPCA, which Willie came on to talk about. And this will take place at the Lay Memorial Library at uh, uh, 2 uh, Academy Avenue in New ha- in uh, Hampton, New Hampshire. And that's from uh, noon to 4. Our program will be What's Really Behind the Paranormal. And this is a free event, but a donation of $8 to the SPCA is requested. So uh, check that link at uh, BehindTheParanormal.com. And also at that site... You can find over 600 free podcasts, past shows from both ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS, along with special shows and podcasts. And also uh, check our main site, NewEnglandGhosts.com, where there are uh, all sorts of articles and case studies and photos and all that good stuff by my dad. And you can find my books on Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, Barnes & Noble Look, and the usual suspect places. But uh, if you buy them directly at BehindTheParanormal.com, I'll sign them for you, and you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Uh, next Monday? Oh. What we got, Ben? Well, what about our, 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 the charities and such? Oh, okay, of course. Well, also on our sites, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, including USA Cares and Canadian Veterans Advocacy, also Youth Mentoring Connection in Los Angeles, doing great things for at-risk youth. And uh, so next Monday, November 3rd, here on ON 1240 and ONWorldwide.com, uh, we will welcome back UFO legend Stan Friedman to talk about his experience as the first civilian investigator of the Roswell, New Mexico uh, crash of 1947 and other legendary UFO matters. We leave you this evening with an uplifting thought attributed to Leonardo da Vinci. The noblest pleasure is the joy of understanding. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. 
Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.